As a CEO, I have leverage. I can make or break or hire or fire. I always choose the former. Success is built on a million thank yous. The fact that I do have people that have invested in their lives with me, I hold that sacred. Welcome to the Authentically Successful Show. I'm Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation, a talent equity and leadership coaching and advisory firm. We partner with founders and CEOs to create talent-centric organizations, either where they don't currently exist or rebuild companies into talent-centric organizations. We are committed to supporting your vision and values by creating healthy, successful companies, leveraging the best talent, retention, development, and succession strategies. Listen at the end of the show for information about becoming my next guest on one of the most important podcasts for building thriving companies. Here we go. Joining me today is Richard Blank, founder and CEO of Costa Rica's Call Center, one of the larger call centers in Central America. Richard's journey in the call center space is filled with twists and turns. When he was 27, he relocated to Costa Rica to train employees for one of the larger call centers in San Jose. With a mix of motivational public speaking style, backed by tactful and appropriate rhetoric, Richard shared his knowledge and trained over 10,000 bilingual telemarketers. Giving back is important to Richard, and as such, he endows a scholarship each year to his high school alma mater, Abington Senior High, for students who plan on majoring in a world language at the university level. Richard, welcome to the show. Uh, Carol, I'm so happy to be here today, and I cannot wait to share ideas with you and your amazing audience. <laughs> well, wonderful. So you're a really interesting individual. Like, who picks up? and leaves their country and goes to another country to, to work for someone else. Let's start there. About your journey. If you can get past your parents' guilt, you can pretty much live anywhere in the world. <laughs> and at 27, I was given a one in a million opportunity to come to my friend's call center to work for a couple months to teach English. Okay. And when that bar door was open, I wasn't coming home. I shed some skin. I saw the beauty of a call center industry where it's the art of speech thousands of local Costa Ricans converting calls and getting positive escalations. And after working my friend's call center for four years, I knew the business from the inside and out and could extend the sort of empathy and dignity that individuals need to feel secure and want to continue working with you. And in my mm -hmm. mid-30s, I decided to throw my hat in the ring and start my own call center. And the rest is history. <laughs> and you, and, you've, <laughs> so been, and you've been at it since 2006, yeah? That is correct. It's when I started the company. But when I was back in Abington, when I graduated high school, I doubled down on my favorite class, which was Spanish. And I went to the University of Arizona and was a Spanish communication major. So I was building on momentum. Mm -hmm. I, I knew what I wanted to do. I had this sort of vision quest and I was fulfilling my passion. I, I knew I could be marketable speaking a second language, and it opened so many right. doors, and it's a great first impression. So when I came here to Costa Rica, I was, I was more than prepared. It was just a matter of just fitting in and mm -hmm. finding my way. So this is the first company that you've actually founded. What, you know, what had you say to yourself, you know, I'm 31 years old. Uh, I think I could start a company. Well, actually, it took me until I was 35. I needed more impulse control, maturity, and some capital. Yeah. But it was very easy. In order to scale, I can't wear all the hats, right. Carol. So in order for me to build an IT department, I needed specialists. I'm a guest in this country, so learning the labor laws, it's better to have an attorney and a human resources director. 
And accounting is fun and I can do it, but it's it's more of a chore. So I hired some individuals mm-hmm. to assist me there in regards to the finances. So you and I could focus on kind of like what you did with your book, Powered by the People. You're really looking at delegating mm-hmm. and promoting and putting wind in people's sails and their self-reliance and self-confidence. I want to bend them. I just don't want to break mm-hmm. them. And in this industry, amongst other verticals, there is an attrition. There is turnover and burnout. But I want people to thrive. I want them to grow. I want them to see this as a career because if you are talented on the phone and you can build relationships, then your earnings potential is limitless. And a lot of people at my call center earn more than attorneys and and doctors if they have those sort of skill sets. Wow, that's amazing. And I'll want to dig into that a little bit further uh, shortly. How did you fund your company? Did you bootstrap it? Did you you know, get any, any funding from the outside? It's a fantastic question. The way that I was raised, my grandmother told me, if I can't do it in cash, you shouldn't do it at all. And I didn't want to overextend mm-hmm. myself. I didn't need to rent out the penthouse suite and have, uh, you know, gold door handles. I started small. What I did initially was working out of my home. The website went up October 4th of 2007, landed the first account February 6th of 2008. And I was renting a turnkey station from a blended call center where I didn't have privacy, but I had a turnkey station, the security, the IT support. And that was enabling me to pay my taxes, pay the Mm -hmm. margins, uh, make my margins and to do what I needed to do in order to scale. But once you get to about a couple dozen agents, it really didn't make much sense. I was almost paying a la carte. So with those sort of resources, I Double down into renting out a space mm-hmm. where I built out 150 stations in the server room, stayed there for several years. And once I had that capital, I built out a 300 capacity seat call center, which we're currently occupying in one of the best neighborhoods of the city. And as much as I wanted to be glamorous and exciting and shortcuts, it was really the tortoise, not the mm-hmm. hare. Very slow and steady extremely conservative with my finances to weather any sort of setbacks and COVID. And I, I just didn't want to have to beg, borrow, or steal to get an account in order to pay my lights. I, I wanted to be able to sleep at night and grow in a certain way that was comfortable for me and the employees here. You know, there are call centers all over the world, as you know, in many different countries. What is it about Costa Rica that is special. First, I'm here. <laughs> Besides that, uh, we're near shore mm-hmm. compared to right. offshore. Offshore is more Philippines, India, and the okay. Middle East. Near shore, I'm on mountain time zone. You could be here on a direct flight. Plus, you're looking at English, Spanish capacities. Costa Rica is the only democratic society in Central America. We have no standing army, 95% literacy rate, wow. neutral accent, Excellent uh, scalability because companies such as Amazon, HP, Intel, and Oracle are here. Mm. So our labor pool is incredible. People are coming to the plate with structure and discipline, especially being bilingual. And if we're capable of molding them and they're not coming into the center with bad Mm -hmm. habits. In fact, a lot of people have either lived in the States, family in the States, know people here from the United States. They're very attuned to the North American market. So you know, it's almost seamless. It's it's a very easy transition for companies to work with our organization here virtually because it's really not missing a beat. You know, as we talked about, it's a very, it's a clearly a very competitive industry. 
and you've talked a little bit about uh, the benefits that you have in Central America. And would you say that, how do I want to put it? Is the pay better where you are than the offshore call centers? I have to imagine it must be significantly. We are, the prices are more competitive in India and the Philippines. And the skill set's about the same. It really depends on the coach and the environment right. and company culture. That could make a difference. And if someone is, is really picky in regards to accents, fine. You can choose it that way. But no, in, in, in Costa Rica, it, it can be expensive if you're looking for a certain technical support, trilingual agents, maybe a supervisor or manager that's been at a center for 10 mm-hmm. years and can bring to the table certain resources. But if you're comparing it to the United States, we're about a half or a third of the cost because you're just looking at independence when we're doing full benefits and overhead. And plus, it, it could be great for somebody to work with an offshore or nearshore mm-hmm. call center so they can focus on other areas of their business to scale. In the, in the United States, a lot of people see telemarketing as a transitional right. job. They may look down upon it. Well, that's what Hollywood does sometimes by seeing movies like The Wolf of Wall Street, Boiler Room, and Glengarry right. Glen Ross. Not everybody sells stock, and we're not out there doing those sort of things. Many people that we know earn a living by making and receiving phone calls with or without the infrastructure of a call center. So it could be something to retain a client. You can get a referral and upsell. And you and I both know that from an exit interview point of view, we can find certain areas to improve or what our competition has done to earn that business. And for me, it's very important to listen to the frontline workers, the ones that are receiving these phone calls and making these phone calls, because they're the ones that need to keep their dignity and not compromise their ethics and make sure that they have all the resources and the list is good and the rebuttals are there and the CRM is up to speed for them to feel fulfilled and to reduce their fear levels. Because it's very easy to reduce attrition. There are so many sort of preventative measures that you can put in place before trying to find a cure. And the biggest thing for me, and you mentioned this multiple times, is there are some outside factors that may affect somebody's work performance Mm -hmm. that I am not aware of. And I don't want to pry into people's personal lives. But if there is a chance that we can reset, find the balance, and recharge their batteries, because a lot of the times, Carol, they're here more hours than they are with their own family, then that is our sort of obligation as real leaders, to be able to give them that sort of job stability. Richard, you said you closed your first deal in early 2008. I assume that was a deal you closed on your own. Are you still closing all the deals? How do you find your business? Uh, Through multiple channels and mediums. I have a lot of people out there that are referring my business, and that's the best business you could get. I'm very, very heavy with SEO, just like yourself. So it's almost a contribution without asking for anything in return. I will definitely give a free sample for you to try my food and and then right. some. And when people contact me, it's it's really theirs to lose because I'd be more than happy to consult and to earn their business through merit and through my own suggestions and experience. Because it could be intimidating to work with someone that could be thousands of miles mm-hmm. away or entrusting a very important part of your business to someone you've never shaken their hand before. But For me, it's very important to let people know that I'm accountable for their account, that I have moved abroad, 
and I've dedicated my life for this. And a lot of people like that sort of hands-on, getting that direct line to the CEO approach. Mm -hmm. And the way that I was taught, my friend, is no surprises since there is attrition Mm -hmm. and we may not get a two weeks notice from time to time. The best relationships are built through chaos. If I can work through a situation by letting them know what's happening, making a suggestion and putting in an action plan, those are the sort of long-term relationships because they know I call the balls and the strikes and I'm always there to make things work. And um, that's the sort of experience that I had as a CEO that maybe I didn't get in the beginning at my friend's center because I wasn't C-level. But then again, I, that was a chance for me to learn the business from the inside and out, to see the good mm-hmm. and the bad and sit in the rows and break the bread with the agents. And I almost skipped, like it's almost going from college to the pros. I, mm-hmm. I was never a supervisor. I was never a manager. I went from a, you know, a specialist employee at my friend's center to owning one. And so maybe it was best for me because I never lost the essence of what got me into this industry in the first place. Richard, who are your clients? And I don't mean specifically, you don't need to mention the names of the companies, but are, are they American companies primarily? Are they companies where where they're they're outsourcing their support to you, you know, customer service, right? That type of call center. Are you you mentioned telemarketing? Tell me a little bit about that. We work with many different areas, appointment setting, lead generation, sales, back office support, and non-voice support. And it's more important for me because I, I turn down more accounts than I accept. It's not that I can't work with a client, but I need to fulfill the need of right. the agent. It's a seller's market out there. And they have a lot of options, including some of the companies I mentioned, like Amazon, Sykes, Teleperformance, Concentrics, the big boys. And for me, I, I want them to feel fulfilled. I'm very competitive in regards to salary and benefits, but I've created a specific company culture here that I think separates me from others besides investing in their second language by increasing Mm -hmm. their vocabulary and their delivery. I love a gamification culture because I have a neutral environment here where people can play pinball machines and retro arcade machines, let off steam, recharge batteries and make friends. And they shouldn't be afraid of me if there's a chance that individuals and I can spend time together Mm -hmm. there and to bond. I've seen that produce some of the greatest long-term agents that I've ever had. And you almost have to think outside the box because if I'm doing things the traditional way, what separates me from somebody else besides location? And I wanted to make sure that they understood that learning a second language is 10 times harder than any account they'll be on. Also, Carol, my call center, A, will never call you during dinner. And secondly, the campaigns that I will never have at my center, and I have nothing against it, just won't do it. We won't do sports books, casinos, stocks, pharmacies, or sweepstakes. There's so many different ways that you can earn a living. I just don't want to feel like I need to sell my soul to earn a dollar. Well, that's great to hear. So l- let me let me dive into your culture a little bit more. So you, you have the largest collection of restored uh, American pinball machines and antique, uh, is it Rockola? Jukeboxes? Rocola jukeboxes. jukeboxes uh-huh. Uh-huh, in Central America. Um, and I- I'm curious about that, the impetus behind that, you know, and as you just alluded to, you know, you've got these pinball machines and it's a great way to bond with your employees. What, what was the impetus or the genesis of that? It's so much. The worst thing you could ever do is sit in a boring waiting room with uncomfortable chairs and old magazines. At least in my waiting room, there's a 1961 Seberg AY160 <laughs> jukebox sitting there so they can relax and chill out and get into a groove while they're filling out their it. forms. 
moments. I also allow the agents to flip over that piece of paper and give me a coming of age moment. So at least I can see their grammar and structure and how they write. But then again, I get to learn a time they beat up a bully and saved a kitten. I just want to help them out on a rainy Wednesday mm -hmm. if they're not feeling very mm -hmm. well. But for me, I grew up in the 70s yeah. and 80s. And arcades were expensive, but a lot of fun. And people used to hang out at them. And so now that I have this sort of income and space, I go treasure hunting. And one man's trash is another man's treasure. It's amazing what is in someone's bodega that's just sitting collecting dust. This 1961 Ricola Regis behind me, I got that for just a couple hundred dollars. It's not the price. It's the restoration yeah, of, of it. It's the cleaning mm -hmm. and shining it and getting some guy to get it working again. But... Carol, the only downside is when I grab these amazing jukeboxes and they have 145s in them. Don't kid yourself. We're not getting CSN or In Excess or Jimi Hendrix. These are artists from the 70s and 80s from Central America that I've never heard yeah. of before. My agents did. I never did. So I usually have to switch them out with the ones that I've collected or put in an MP3 so people can put a Bluetooth in there and listen to their own music. But it, it really puts people in a groove. Almost like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. You see a gray factory, but you open up those doors and there's a playland of anything you could eat and a chocolate yeah. river. And so any client, agent, or someone that goes to the second floor has to walk through the arcade to see the lights and the action and the agents mm -hmm. bonding. And it says three things. It shows my potential clients, how I treat myself, how I treat my agents, and why don't they have an arcade? And for me, the greatest thing is to have a hobby. And my hobby is something that people have never tried before. They've done virtual pinball, but not the real machines. And just like Elton John's Pinball Wizard, I couldn't agree more. You really get in one with the machine. You can appreciate the artwork, the play field, the marquee. And that, to me, can add such stimulation in between phone calls so people can go upstairs recharged and ready to go. And I've seen the difference when people have been in the arcade before. How is the day of your your employees in the call center? How is their day structured? And from a standpoint of, you know, when they come in, how long do they stay? Um, you know, can they just decide they want to clock out for 15 minutes and go chill? What does that look like? Costa Rican labor laws. They're here for nine hours, but on the phone for eight. I pay for a half an hour lunch and two 15-minute breaks. Just think about every two hours. Is there a break, lunch break, and then they're finished. But you brought up an excellent point, my friend. Let's just say, Carol, you get off of the best phone call I've ever heard in my entire life, 24 minutes. You saved the client and got the upsell on a positive escalation. By all means, take a couple minutes to high-five everyone, go grab some coffee and let me know what mm -hmm. happened. You, you don't have to jump right on. Why don't we enjoy the moment? And then secondly, if someone is off and had a difficult call, we have to extend that sort of empathy and right. sincerity to somebody. This could be monotonous. Someone could say something at the wrong place, wrong time, and the wrong day. And the last thing you and I want right. is some incredible employee spiraling out of control in that spider's web. Next thing you know, they're cursing, kicking things, and quitting. And um, I I've seen people have moments before. And I think the greatest thing I can do is give them a little bit of Philly guilt. I'll pull you in another room. I'll go, Carol, come on. You know you're being out of character today. You're usually smiling. And you know you're better than this. Remember last Tuesday when you got 15? Come on, champ. I know what you can do. And then all of a sudden, they take a deep breath and let me know something that's mm -hmm. happening. And I show that I care. 
first by active yeah. listening. Second is repeating what they say to let them know I'm not yeah, spacing out. That is active out. listening. And right. the third thing is to thank them for sharing with me, and we're going to find a way to make it work. And if I need to bring in a supervisor or somebody else or their best friend to work with that individual, then by all means, it's 10 times more money bringing in someone new than saving someone. But it's, it's not even that. You're just not expendable piece of meat. That we, that we churn and burn. These are individuals in multi-generational families, Carol, that are taking care of their parents and right, grandparents. Right. And you and I feed families a month. And you, there's thousands of people you haven't even met yet, Carol, that have listened to your podcast and read your book that you've changed their life. And you're not even asking for anything in return. And so for me, my main goal is to be the best boss they ever have. And if they're Parents show up, I'll pull them aside and let them know how amazing is. Carol yeah. is. And not just say you're amazing. Why? Last Thursday, she did 15. She's been with me for three years, been promoted twice. Greatest person I know. And that's the gift that just keeps on giving. What I'm hearing from you is really your authenticity at, at truly being committed to your people, right? Um, and that's what, in my world... Uh, you know, depending on how much of my book you've read, is what makes makes an organization not completely, but one of the one of the most important things in in making you a town centric organization, right? It's really about your people because without your people, you know, you're SOL, right? And you know, the the would you would you say that you have a culture of feedback, Richard? And do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, and I, I think it really just depends if someone's willing to be forthright with you. You know, it's it's a lot of the times, it, like as I mentioned before, if someone leaves me without doing a two weeks notice, there's no feedback there. They're surprising, and I think the greatest thing if someone is out there besides the metrics in their work performance, they just let me know what's happening, and it's very easy for me to be able to change things to make their job easier or to find ways in which to get them more mm -hmm. productive and more fulfilled. It's like a king. I am more than willing to listen to anybody that wants to come into the castle and to tell me what's going on. It's almost like the emperor with no clothes. Someone should have said something or the people just said, hey, guy's got the best outfit in town. <laughs> and I don't want a smithers for Mr. Burns. I don't need yes men. I want people to be supportive and want the team to win. But if we're dropping our guard and getting shots, you know, Mickey's got to say something to Rocky. And the greatest people are the ones, the greatest leaders, the ones that are bold, making themselves right. vulnerable, not right. afraid to be fired because they know that I have their back, are willing to knock on my door and say, sir, I know a way to crack a code. And then don't kid yourself, check in a couple months and see how amazing that person is with their promotion and how much more money they're making. And so I, I can't create that bit of fear where if they press the red button, they will get fired. They need to follow labor laws. But my goodness gracious, if my coffee is too strong, let me know. <laughs> and uh, I, I encourage people to do things. And it just doesn't have to be with me. Maybe that is intimidating. Do it through the supervisor. If it's not the supervisor, do it through your best friend that can speak to. Just do whisper down the lane. So at least it gets to us originally, and then we can figure out right, what to do right. with it. And, and I think you're, you're really circling around a culture feedback from what I'm hearing from you, right? I mean, it, 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 a culture feedback is led by the CEO. 
right? And when your employees really get that, I want to hear what you have to say, positive or negative, like as a contribution to improving this business because it improves it for everybody. Then, then anyone can say anything. They can go to their supervisor and have a conversation with that person without fear of being thrown under a bus. I agree with that. But, but then sometimes people try to, to push the envelope and, and, and test the lines where they say, why can't we watch YouTube during the day? Why can't I eat Chinese food at right. my desk? Why, why, why can't I do certain things where I could curse on the floor or, or, or do something? And it, you, you may need to explain in a certain diplomatic and strategic way why there are advantages and maybe disadvantages to that and have them sell me because I'm willing right. to do it. But make the most sense to put it forward. But eating Chinese food at your desk is not a great argument. You should you should organize your time to be able to go on breaks and lunch, and the whole floor will smell, and then cucarachas come out, and and we just don't want things like that. And how about if a client mm-hmm. shows up? You don't want someone walking by a potential client, seeing someone playing solitaire or watching YouTube. But then again, Richard, I need stimulation. Okay, Carol. So why don't we mm-hmm. do this? In between your phone calls, if you need some sort of stimulation, why don't we then give you access to certain reading materials, not like at school, but something stimulating to increase your English study rhetoric, something that's fun so you can memorize phrases and vocabulary because English is your second language. And I'm even willing to watch certain videos if they're short segments of something to motivate you, like Ascent of a Woman when Al Pacino does his speech. Right, right. If that can get you boosted up to get that next phone call of someone that may be frustrated, then by all means, things like that make sense. But I don't want you going on TikTok or, ch- or checking in with your friends on Facebook. That, that's the sort of thing that creates bad habits. Of course it is. And that's not a culture of feedback, right? A culture of feedback is not, you know, why can't I eat Chinese food at my desk? It's just the ability to go to your supervisor and talk to them about whatever needs to be talked about. Oh, without a doubt. Without fear, and, like I said, of being fired or thrown under a bus. That doesn't no. mean in a culture of feedback you get everything you want all the time. And you have to make and you have to make a case for it. It's the it's the ability and the openness of you as this, you know, you as the CEO or whomever the CEO is and the supervisors to actually listen to people, right? So they can feel heard. And that's, you know, You know, no one is suggesting people, you know, should be running amok, right? So you've got about 150 full-time employees currently. Um, Tell me a little bit about the challenges, you know, what your talent strategy is and and where you have, as you've grown the company, seen challenges and, you know, where where you've transformed those challenges and where you're still, you know, finding yourself having challenges. It's a great question. COVID really did, uh, you know, send us for a loop here. It's yeah. I was fortunate enough in my business, even though it's brick and mortar for internet redundancy, electricity, and immediate IT support, we were capable of having agents work from home. Great. So that allowed me to sustain. But you lose something with that. I, you know, there's a sort of synergy that we have here. It's an extremely social environment. You can feed off of energy. And working at a call center, even though it might feel tight in a cubicle, monotonous in the sort of you know, work that we do, 
for those that do it for a living, you need that sort of support. There's a big difference between working out at home and going to a gym. But thankfully, we had the infrastructure and the equipment to do this. And by law, we were only allowed 50% capacity. I chose 20% for PCI compliance onboarding. Mm -hmm. And let's just say something happens at home, they're able to come here. But I mean, I, I gave without sounding selfish. I missed walking the rows and seeing them packed. You know, it's a fraction of what we had before. I understand that it's virtual and close my eyes. I can imagine the people and I see our staff count, but there's, there's a huge difference there. And also in regards to hiring and onboarding, a lot of the people have leveraged these incredible agents that are looking for opportunities will literally say, work from home and work from home only. And, and I'm willing to make amends. I'm willing to meet them in the middle, but Carol, they should at least come here for a week so I can look at you. I can shake your hand. I can sit with you and do some training there. So it's not a purely virtual relationship. At least in the beginning, we had a chance to know one another before I send you from home and see you every six months or for the Christmas party. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. th that seems sort of challenging. I, I And then also, you're mentioning about these these supervisors and that sort of feedback sort of structure. Well, to me, when someone is on site, you really get to know who they are. And to me, it's the most important is to know someone's name. You just can't go to a supervisor that literally has never met you before to try to make your case. These, these individuals needed to grow with you and see where you were when you're a little pup. Now you're you know, a big, strong doggy, ready to go. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, we, we like to see that sort of progression. So then it would be much, it would be easier for us to know how to approach that individual because everyone's different. Your delivery is custom-made, especially if something is sensitive. And for me, unless there is a sense of urgency, Carol, if we have the opportunity and the luxury of time to get your thoughts down, to sleep on it, to think about it, so then the following day, if we can come back to part two of the meeting, maybe we can eliminate some fat, prioritize, and calm down a little bit some apologies are even done for your tone or overextending yourself. And I've seen so many relationships saved and enhanced just by giving one side or both sides that opportunity to take a breather for a moment and readjust themselves. And we kind of lost that as well by having individuals working from home. We open up more channels, but to me, it's just not as effective as it was when individuals were on site. Was your call center full? prior to COVID hitting? Oh, yeah. I mean, so I have 300 you... seats here. I, I was you know, half full, but uh, oh, yeah, every single person was here at the right. center. Is there an, I mean, is how many people do you have working working in the call center now? I mean, everybody ha isn't home still, are they? No, no, no. I, I, I got about maybe 40 people that are here. So, give or you know, take. basically a 25%. And is that yeah. is that by your choice or by their choice? By their choice, right now I can bring everybody back. You but I look okay. at it as a benefit. If someone's numbers are great and they're doing an incredible job, it's just me missing you, not being able to spend time with the person. But no, it's it's not even a reward system. It's something that I have to be realistic with today. It's like the buggy whip. I mean, sometimes things go out of style. I I always believe that industries and society will need live speaking agents that do work at a call center. They're getting sick of just chat and email support. Yes, That can I add agree. to frustration and people will leave a company because of that. But um, I also know that this is an art of speech 
And even today, just outside of the office, most people are doing things via chat or just leaving messages. But can't stand it. Neither can I. It makes and me crazy. It is. And you and I are amazing speakers. We love to, you know, converse and share ideas in the moment. You can feel that energy. There's no miscommunication. It's better bonding. And so I, I have such respect and hold these agents in high esteem that still want to continue to study their vocabulary and be public speakers. Because you and I, my friend, is becoming a lost art. Well, yeah, you're preaching to the choir here, boy. You know, that is, I mean, that's almost an understatement, right? I, I mean, I, you know, communication, oral communication, to me is one of the most critical parts of running any company. And I, I, I don't want to get too far off track here, but I do not understand why any company would want their people in their call center doing their support, customer success, whatever that is, via chat and email. I don't understand it, especially given you know that somewhere north of fifty percent of receivers of the written word misinterpret it. And what about the elevated stress when they finally get somebody on the phone? And now we have to repeat that information. Unfortunately, the agent will probably have to say, I'm sorry for something they didn't do. Right. And now the I've person on the phone is uncomfortable. Yeah, it's, it's, a bad, it's, a, it's a weird dance. It's a weird circle. Mm -hmm. So have you considered, uh, I mean, I have to imagine you have, uh, kind of a hybrid model, you know, 100%. for the people? Because you want to see people. Come in once a week. I want to see you. I want to lay eyes on you. Not because they I don't want to see me. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. It's nothing personal. <laughs> it's just the way it is, my friend. Yeah. And but but my main thing is if they're coming on board initially, they have to come here. Of course. In the beginning of, of their work experience with me. And but in order for me to be competitive, I have to. But I'm also looking for individuals that have not had any sort of call center experience where I could mold them. And those are the sort of individuals that love to come on site. Yeah. And enjoy the infrastructure and the environment. And so in order for me to scale certain campaigns and to grow, because I am competing against level one support, I do mention to my clients that you need you have all stars, but you might have to sprinkle in some rookies with that team as well. But mm -hmm. there are some individuals that have never worked here before that are just superstars because they don't have bad habits and and they can see the uh, excitement of working in this sort of environment. Whereas mm -hmm. I mentioned the earnings potential is incredible. Right. So, so, so let's talk a little bit in a little bit more depth about your talent strategy. How do you, I mean, how do you find people? Are you, you know, using the post and pray method of, you know, posting jobs and praying that you find the right people? Are you going out and actively finding people, word of mouth? And, and what are you looking for in an employee that you believe is going to be a fantastic employee for you, Richard? Proof is in the pudding and time tells. And I could see something in the beginning from someone that gives you all the bells and whistles. You put them on the floor and they're a cancer. They leave and they cause destruction. I have, it really is just a random bingo ball sort really? of structure here, but you will find people with work experience. And to me, as I mentioned, someone that comes to the table with a second language and beautiful English skills, that's more than enough for me. 
But no, we do everything. I mean, Mm -hmm. we have the referrals. We're extremely heavy in regards to search engine optimization. I have one of the largest employment pages in the country where I contribute to all the centers. Everyone, all fairs in love and war, Carol. Me today, you tomorrow. We we all share the same labor pool. The, The difference is where someone feels comfortable, and I always believe in right bus, right seat. I don't want to force a fit. And, um, but we have plenty of resumes that come in and it's very easy for us to see who's a jumper and what sort of campaigns they choose, or maybe there's a gap in their employment history, or they possibly compromise their ethics and values on another type of project, which is something that we take into consideration. But, um, no, there's a plethora of agents here and, you know, the older agents might not have the fast typing or computer skills, but they have the maturity and composure. Mm-hmm. But then you have the young whippersnappers that can do this with their eyes closed on the computer, but they don't have the maturity or the experience to be able to speak to a gray-haired C-level executive. So it's really about finding that sort of sweet spot. So somebody, as I mentioned before, has that sort of fulfillment and dignity to where they're going to want to come back the next day. And it's really that simple. It's as almost as simple as just saying good morning to someone. And if I say, Carol, last week you were incredible. And why? Then you know that I care. I might be the only teacher, mentor, best friend or whatever that, that really is forthright with you and will tell you ways to improve yourself mm-hmm. and stand do it by example. I just don't write checks and come in once a week. I'm here with my people and they see that. And so for me, setting the best example as a guest in their country, a CEO and a leader, that's why organically I'm able to get the best people to give me my foundation and my company stability. Mm-hmm. You, you, you talked earlier about the kind of business you will not take on. Do you have any particular vertical sweet spot? Oh, we're phenomenal with customer support. Our agents have such patience levels, and they're very charming. I mean, as I mentioned, they're growing up in certain families where Mm -hmm. they need their manners, and they're very well-behaved, and I can transfer that over the phone, and and I make slight adjustments. I won't say the word help, but we'll use words like guide, assist, or lend a hand. I don't say I'm sorry or excuse me. It's more, Carol, for my clarification, for my edification. Agents will use military alphabets to not guess your name or your email address mm-hmm. for bounce backs and things that are wrong. And, and we love positive escalations. We love complimenting people that assisted us in getting a converted sale or, or, or moved us along. And these are the sort of soft skills that agents can incorporate in their lives inside and outside of the office. And so that would be my greatest sweet spot. Now, the outbound calls are challenging, but right. I kind of see that as a mercenary. You, if someone is exceptionally talented, there's really no loyalty to a flag. I, I can't hold it against them. They're just so marketable and so incredible. Everybody wants them. And so they're constantly getting phone calls from recruiters. And my main thing is that I just don't want people coming in to be a cancer. If they're yes. with me for a period of time, contribute, do their thing, and we walked well together, I'll say hi to them at the mall and wish them well. And uh, I just don't want someone coming into the call center to try to recruit from within and take agents to go to another call center. 
that could be a concern as well. But as I mentioned before, all fairs and love and war, it's a competitive industry. People are doing the best that they can with the labor pool. And I'm just trying to do it old school style. Right. And let the chips fall as they may. Right. Well, and 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 there's not a thing wrong with old school. Um, you know, I think if if you know what, I don't want to make the mistake of saying, well, you know, business has been transformed by COVID. It has in some ways, from a standpoint of in office versus out of office. But, you know, keeping employees is not something that just happened at COVID. I think people became maybe more aware of it during COVID. Um, but it's something that has been, I mean, it's an age old, I mean, I've been in in the business I've been in for 30 years. And that hasn't changed at all. So, you know, what what has changed and what continues to change is, you know, as a company, right, how do I retain my employees? What's it going to take to do that? You know, do, you know when I hire somebody, how long do I want that person to stay with me? How do I, you know, how do I keep them the, the length of time where I believe they should, should stay and that they say they're going to stay? And how do I, how do I go about preventing them from, you know, just quitting without a two week notice? <laughs> There's a natural and a forced attrition. Yeah. Natural attrition may be a better schedule for the university. Boyfriend, girlfriend, best friend works there closer to their home and even price. But, but Carol, they're not going to say that they left my company through a forced attrition because I gave them a walk of shame to face them That's, or made them cry. Right, right. So you and I are not throwing people out of our offices. We, But if people leave us, and even if they don't give us the two weeks notice, I'm okay with that. I can live with that because I know on my end, I followed through the bargain that I made with this individual when they first started working with me. But it's very important at a young age to have business ethics. Two weeks notice won't make or break you, but it's the kind of thing that you could wear with pride mm -hmm. for the rest I of your agree. life, knowing mm -hmm. that you did the right thing when you left a company. And every time that I've had to leave, they've begged me to stay, but I've let them know that, hey, in these past couple of years, did I make you money? You did, Richard. Did we have a great time? You most certainly did. Right. Well, I thank you for putting wind in my sails and giving me the confidence to grow to this next level because I would have never been in Costa Rica if I didn't have certain coaches and people along the way that said, go Richard, go. So it really builds upon itself. I have no problem being the high school coach before someone goes pro and starts their own company. It, it's my pleasure to know that I was influential in their career trajectory. Richard, what is your, what does your organization look like from an executive team standpoint? I mean, are you fairly flat? Do you have layers? What does it look like? Oh, plenty of layers. We do about a 10 to 1 supervisor to agent ratio. Within the 10 agents, there's always a team lead. Sure. I have a quality control department, which listens to phone calls and grades them on KPIs and metrics. So there's that sort of control for coaching purposes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Human resources department, we have several different people for recruiting for the contracts and to make sure that we follow the labor laws to give the rights to the agent and also for the company. And for me, I, I have a lot of individuals besides the supervisors. I have a floor manager and an IT director that have been with me over a decade each that have grown with my company. And they're the ones that I bring into that office where I loosen a tie and I ask very straight questions and I expect very straight answers. And these are the individuals, as you were mentioning before, not being able, not being afraid to say something. These are the ones that are, are bold. 
and making some large decisions, which may cost tens of thousands of dollars for equipment Mm -hmm. with sort of Mm -hmm. marketing that we do. And I can't thank them enough. Every year that goes by with individuals that have been with me, I, I buy cakes, I celebrate, and it makes me, Carol, that much more humble and grounded because as a CEO, I have leverage. I can make or break or hire or fire. I always choose the former. The greatest thing for me to do is success is built on a million thank yous. You're talking before. If no one shows up at my Chuck E. Cheese birthday party, I have no friends. And so the fact that I do have people that have invested in their lives with me, I hold that sacred. And I guess by doing so, they see that authenticity in me. And they're willing to back me up during the good and the bad times. And so in order to grow, you need branches and roots. You need to scale. You need to delegate. You you can't wear all the hats. And by taking that leap of faith enables you to grow. And I've been disappointed from time to time. I've made bad decisions. There have been busts. But some individuals that were division one hires or people that just grew with me and evolved into being such superstars. Those are the greatest ones that you can you can work with. Got it. Richard, how do you spend your time when you're not working? Oof, I do three things. I like to work out in the mornings. I do about two hours at my home gym. On Sundays, I'll definitely wash my convertible. And I, as you know, I'm a <laughs> pinball wizard, so I'm mm-hmm. always doing pinball mm-hmm. marathons to decompress and let my mind wander. And those are the sort of me too times that I give myself where I put my phone away and I can decompress and allow my thoughts to wander for image streaming. So I get some of my best ideas. And those are the sort of things, my friend, that keep me grounded, focused, and balanced. That's fantastic. Well, Richard Blank, founder and CEO of Costa Rica's Call Center. I really want to uh, thank you for your time today. This was a really interesting conversation for me. It's so much fun, Carl. Thank you so much for allowing me to be your guest and sharing ideas. Thank you for listening to Authentically Successful. If you are a successful founder or CEO who would like to be on this program, please visit verticalelevation.com slash podcast slash apply. If you learned something from this interview and it made a difference, please share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend. And if you know of someone who would be a great guest, tag them on LinkedIn or Twitter to let them know about the show and include the hashtag authentically successful. I love seeing your posts and great suggestions. Lastly, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. And to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to our website, verticalelevation.com, or follow me on LinkedIn. This is Carol Schultz. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.